I thought we had one more song. I, I, I wasn't, uh, didn't even get my microphone ready or anything, so I apologize. I, I was so caught up in that. It was awesome. Can everybody hear me all right? Perfect. As long as you can't hear me, that's, that's a good thing. Now, hopefully it will stay on my head because I put it on so quickly. Father, I pray that you fill my mouth with your words, with none of my own, Father. We come here this morning just seeking you, desiring you, wanting you. So I ask, Lord, that you allow nothing of me to get in the way. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So last night, um, the Lord gave gave me a thought, enough of a thought to make a screen. I wasn't really sure how it was going to tie in or, or what he was going to do with it this morning. But what we just went through in worship and, and what I said during worship a little bit ago, I think ties in so significantly. Because, see, slavery is something that each of us have experienced and most of us, <laughs> in different ways, continue to experience. The Bible says that we're a slave to sin, right? When you you commit known sin, you're making a choice to sin, then you become a slave to that sin. That's that's, that's what we we call addictions, you know, habits, things where, where I didn't want to do it, but I did it. You know, that real confusing verse that, that Paul puts out, out there, and I can't even begin to remember it, but, uh, but I remember a way that I learned it. That which I would not, that do I do. I wish I wouldn't do it, but I'm already through. <laughs> right? Yep. I, I remember uh, it was the Continental Singers. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's a blast from the past. That's a blast from my legalistic past. Um, Continental Singers, when I was in junior high, they sang a song that was about that. That's what, that thing I don't want to do. I don't want to do it. I fight so hard not to do it, and, and I did it, and I'm already done. Because this compelling just literally couldn't stop. That's, a, that's addiction. And that, that runs in so many so many different forms. It's not just... Addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, addiction to pornography. It could be addiction to lying. It could be addiction to fear. That's one you don't think of very often. And, and I don't mean like adrenaline fear. Okay, I, I, I enjoyed that. I got into that when I was a young person, not realizing that it was a spirit. But I, I just wanted to be afraid. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the addiction of fear that keeps you from what God has for you. That could be a lot of different things. That could be a fear of people. It could be a fear of not being good enough. Maybe something that was ingrained in you as a child that that you just weren't good enough 
in everything that you did. Maybe it was ingrained in school or whatever. That fear becomes an addiction because you give authority to it. Let me tell you how this works. See, we, we keep hearing the thing about, well, Jesus, you know, he offers freedom from sin. He offers freedom in this life, right? And we believe that, right? So why? Why? Let me ask you, if he offers freedom for knowing him, why is the church in bondage? And, and I mean, the majority of the church, I'm not talking 10, 20, 30%, I'm talking 80, 90% of the church is in bondage. I would even say way more than that. In some form of bondage. So why? Why? Because if we accept Jesus Christ in our heart, we're not supposed to be in bondage anymore. Let me tell you how it works though. In the process of a Christian going from slavery into out of slavery, okay, when you're, when you're not saved yet, when you've not accepted Christ into your heart, then you are a bond, you are in slavery to sin because we live in these sinful bodies. Okay? We, we, from, from birth, we are in sin. Okay, so so when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and accept him as our as our savior and our, our Messiah, then he comes in and he places his stamp on our on our life, on our heart, on our righteousness before the father. OK, so so what he literally does is he takes his Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, places it over your heart, over your spirit, that says, this one's mine. Okay? Now, what we think he does, is we think he then takes us and dips us in his blood and walk on, my child, you will be good for all your days. See, that's the Christian thinking that is incorrect. Because in reality, what he does is he stamps that person who has accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, he tells the enemy who he conquered, he said, they're mine. You cannot take their spirit. Their spirit will dwell with me forever because they've accepted me. And then he says, here's an offering to you. Here's what you get. You have this new opportunity to escape that slavery that has enslaved you your entire life. You ever wonder why people get saved, but they don't get relieved of that slavery? Or oftentimes they'll fall into that slavery even after they're saved. Man, I, 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 know, I know so many of my friends that I grew up with, I think of I think of my best friend in California when I was in I, I think I think I met him in the first grade if I recall correctly and we maybe maybe a little later I can't remember but anyways I was with him until I left California and I, I left California in the in the seventh grade he was my best friend his dad was a missionary 
He, his name was Bill, and, and just this, this, he and I were just two peas in a pod. I mean, we just got in trouble the same ways. <laughs> but I remember we would always, even at that age, we would always talk about the Lord and love the Lord and everything else, and we moved off. I came back, I want to say it was 10 to 12 years later. And we went back there, and we were visiting friends and stuff like that, and I got to see him. And he told me about his life afterwards. Now, this is a young man who's saved. This is a young man who, whose parents are missionaries. He grew up in the church. And yet he became addicted to drugs. To, to the point where he became a seller of those drugs. Then he was arrested for being a dealer and was in prison. Okay, he, he didn't lose his salvation. So why, if he was saved, if he was stamped by the Holy Spirit, why would he fall into these things? It's because the process is not just, I take the free gift that you give me, so make my life good. It isn't that. It's, I give you this free gift, this free gift that will buy you eternity with me, but it also buys you an opportunity for relationship with me. I want you to turn. Let's, let's look at this process. Um, I want you to turn to uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Actually, I'll go through 34. says this, John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. He didn't say, if you accept me into my heart, then you will immediately be free. doesn't say that, but that's how we read it. Verse 33, they answered him, We are offspring of Adam and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. See, this includes Christians, guys. You do not become immune to being a slave when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. You simply become a slave with a different destination. That's it. Why? Because God died. He sent His Son to die for your sin, but for the purpose of you then walking with Him. Walking with Him. I want you to turn to John chapter 1, verse 12. We read this, and and we don't pay attention to it, and it's really important to pay attention to this. Verse 12 says this, But to all who receive Him, receive Jesus Christ, who believe in His name, He gave the right, what? To become. To become the children of God. He didn't give them the right to immediately claim that they are His children. 
And I know that goes against everything that we've been taught. See, because when you accept Jesus Christ, it does not change the status of you being a slave. If it did, we'd see it on the outside. It changes the status of your spirit and the destination of your spirit when you die. But until you begin working that relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what brings the freedom from sin. That's what brings the freedom from this slavery. What is a, what is a slave? Think about what a slave is. Think about the children of Israel even before they were brought out of Egypt. And then we could compare them to our own lives in slavery. What is a slave? A slave is someone that does the same thing every day. Because that's all they know what to do. When we, the children of Israel, that's all they did. They made these bricks. They built these cities for Pharaoh. That's what they knew to do. That's what they were forced to do. Now, oddly enough, you back up into Israel's history. They didn't start out as slaves. Guys, they were brought under, under Joseph. They were brought to Egypt because of the famine and everything else. But they were given the best land. They were, they were given position and everything else. And then it wasn't until Joseph had died and, and Israel was just becoming huge that Pharaoh started to worry about him and started to enslave them. So, so see, slavery is also something that's taught. Slavery is not innate in who we are. That's not who we're, who we're made to be. We're not to be, we're not made to be slaves of sin because Adam was never created with sin. He chose that. By his choice, we did not have a choice. Right? We were born with sin because of his choice. But that's why the, the Father sent his Son to become a man, to die on the cross, to give us a choice. So think about what a slave does. Slave wakes up every day and they know what they're to do. They do it. And no day is different. They just keep doing it over and over again. Why? Because they want to? No. Because they have to. Because they're compelled to. They have no way to get out of it. See, it's often the same in our lives. And, and by the way, I, I really want you to tune into this into your own life because that slavery takes different shapes and different forms in different people. I mean, we can, we can look at the easy ones and say, well, yeah, addictions, yeah. You know, that person's a slave to alcohol. You know, because they, they try and get away and they just go right back to it. You know, those ones are obvious. But what about selfishness? What about only wanting to think about yourself? 
What about a slave to being tired? Ouch. That probably hit a few people. Hit me. You know, what about being a slave to discouragement? I fight discouragement. But there comes a point where I just can't fight it anymore and I gotta give in. And just, I just need to, to feel this through. I mean, there shouldn't be a soul in this room that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Where, where there comes a point in discouragement where you just, just let me be. Let me be discouraged. Let me be. Let me go to my comfort zone. Gallon of ice cream. <laughs> Whatever it might be playing on the Xbox. I, I don't know. But there comes a point where you shut it all off and you give in to that discouragement. We all do. See, those are pictures of being a slave to something. When it forces you to do differently than what God would have you do. And oftentimes we look at it like, nothing I can do about it. I just, I just live through it. It's, it's kind of who I am. You know, well, well, press through in worship. Press through in worship. Open yourself up. Give yourself to the Lord. Step outside of your comfort zone. Step outside of your box and just give it to the Lord. Well, that's not me. That's not how I'm built. God built us all different. Guess what? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He built us all to be passionate for Him. Now, personalities are different. Okay, I'm not saying go take a bus down to work and, you know, flip out on the bus because you're worshiping God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when the Lord is trying to pull you out of yourself, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel like... This inner turmoil, this inner warfare. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's only a bad thing when you reject that. But oftentimes we're, we're slaves to these emotions. We're slaves and as a slave, there's no hope. See, the children of Israel had no hope. They had no hope before, before God rose Moses up. They had no hope. They believed in God. They believed He loved them. But maybe He forgot about them. It's kind of like those, those elders that spoke to me in, a couple of years ago in Nigeria. After I went there the first time and, and, and I gave that prophecy that it, that was word for word of the prophecy that was given almost 30 years before, those elders said to me, we thought he forgot about us. We thought he forgot. Does God forget? No. Does God forget about you? No, he doesn't forget about you. He doesn't forget about me. Why? Because he died for us. If I died, if I paid this immeasurably huge price for something. Do you think I'd forget it? 
you know, if I went out and spent 10 grand on a Rolex, do you think I'd just kind of leave it hanging around, laying, laying around somewhere? No. When there's a great price for paid, paid for something, it's not forgotten. You are not forgotten. Israel was not forgotten. See, oftentimes we, we think we're forgotten because of what we have to go through or what we have to deal with. The, these, these things that we become a slave to. See, and then the sad thing is, in slavery, oftentimes, there's a large part of us that wants to stay in that slavery. Doesn't that sound crazy? But in, in reality, I mean, let, let's look at it from, from what would be an obvious perspective. Okay, an alcoholic or a, or a drug addict. You know, they don't want it, but then they go, begin to go through the withdrawals or when, it, when it's out of their body and everything else, and then, and then this taskmaster is beating them over the head until, okay, I just got to have it again. And then they take it again. And then they go through the high, which is why they do it in the first place. But what goes up must come down. And then they come low and they realize, I never should have done that. How did I get into this situation? How did I become a slave to this? But see, what I, what I want you to understand, what I know God wants you to get this morning because I would presume, unless you hide it really well, there are no addicts here in this room. So it's easy to, well, yeah, there, yeah, I get that about the addicts and the alcoholics. And yeah, boy, you go, Greg. You're right. Okay, but what about the other things that do hit us close to home? What about selfishness? Has God ever prompted you to reach out to other people to, to even build friendships, perhaps, that you wouldn't normally build? That was a tough one for me. Because, I mean, I like people, but I like the people I want to like. I remember Tom, my, my, he was my first, how do you say, adult pastor when I became an adult and married? He was my yeah, first adult pastor. No, it was after I got married and, and, and Tom, he was my pastor. And, and you know, I had talked to him about being a pastor because I, I knew I had this calling on my life. And, and I, I think I've shared this before, but, but I said, could you ever see me a pastor? And his answer was, no, I could not. <laughs> and it kind of threw me. And, and I said, why? And he said, because you don't love people. He said, you love the people you want to love. And that's okay, he said, but, but if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to love everybody. And, and it was the wisest thing he had ever said to me. And I, I just am so thankful for him saying that. It didn't change anything. I mean, not for probably 15 years. <laughs> but it was truth. Now, at that time, I thought, well, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'll just like the people I want to like. And, and I'll just keep, keep moving forward the way I want to move. And do you see it took years. 
It took years for God to get a hold of my life to understand that's not what he wanted. That's not what he wanted. He wanted me to love everyone. He wanted me to learn to love the people that I wouldn't normally love, that I wouldn't normally build a relationship with. So see, label that how you want. Label it selfishness, label it whatever. I I don't know whatever you want to label it. Bottom line is I was a slave to that. And it it wasn't just this kind of off-the-cuff choice. I just don't want to get to know them. No, it was I'm running through my mind of everything I'm going to have to go through to get to know this person and to deal with this person. And then being overwhelmed with the fact that I just don't want to do that. Right? So see, I I became a slave to that very thing. Oftentimes, and we mentioned discouragement before, oftentimes discouragement enslaves us. It enslaves us because, especially ever since for the last five years, and Alexis and I have talked about this, she said this a few times, sometimes it's really hard to hear prophetic words that you know are true and haven't happened yet. Especially when he starts to pile them up. And and so many things are, are out there in the prophetic realm that have not happened yet. And it's easy then to feel discouraged because it hasn't happened. You know, there have been times that I've come in in the morning and and what I said, it's just ringing. What I said was, when I prayed earlier this morning, was very true. You walk in and, And it's like this immediate wave hits you of discouragement because, you know, there are certain, certain people. Is it, is that down too low now? It's fine. Um, cause I'm getting a ring if I don't do that, but can you hear me? Okay. Um, but to walk in and see some people that are missing and, and immediately this, this temptation of discouragement comes over you to think, well, it's, it's not going to be what I expected. Or, well, this can't happen, or that can't happen, or, or, you know, it's going to be a struggle this morning because we're missing people. And, and I fall into that as well. Do you understand that discouragement isn't a feeling that you have? It's a temptation to doubt. It's a temptation to sin. So the very temptation that you have to do that, what does the Bible say about that? It says resist. Resist. What happens when you resist temptation? Anybody. What happens when you resist temptation? It flees from you. Did, did that say that in the Encyclopedia Britannica? I know, that's way before their time, right? Okay, did it say that on the internet? In Wikipedia? Yeah, okay. No, it said that in the Word of God. It said that in the Word of God. You can trust it, it's true. I've done this, I would say hundreds of times, but I bet I've done this 
thousands of times where I have resisted a feeling and it keeps coming after me. And so I've become this child, this little tattling child that goes and tattles to my dad. Hey dad, he's not listening to you. You promised if I resisted, he would flee. Not just walk away. I want to see him run away. So, so go get him, Dad. And he does. He's not once failed me in that. Not one time has he failed me in that. But see, you have to recognize that that discouragement is not just a feeling that you have. There's no such thing as a feeling. You know, the most real thing that I could say is a feeling in your life If I slapped you in the face, you're going to really feel that. That'll be a feeling. You know, if, if someone came up and punched me in the stomach, okay, that's a feeling. That's not a temptation. I mean, I might have a temptation to hit him back, but that's not a temptation. That's a real feeling. But if I have a feeling that somebody doesn't like me, or I have a feeling that I am annoying somebody, because I'm telling them about Christ. If I have a feeling of discouragement because something's not going the way that I thought it would, or I'm having to wait too long, do you understand those are temptations for sin? Those are temptations to doubt. And there's not a soul in here, including me, that does not deal with this on probably a daily basis. So, so what, you know, when, when he gave me this, you know, put together this slide, this mentality of a slave, I want you to understand that this means you. This means me. This, the addicts are obvious. Those kinds of things are obvious. I'm talking about the things that we do every day. That we literally say, this is how I am, and this is how God made me. Shame on us. Shame on us. Because He simply made us to worship Him. He built us literally for relationship with Him. So, so you see, for that to really happen... It can't be about us anymore. You see what I mean? So what happens when, when we have this mentality of slavery and, and, and then something happens, you know, we step out of our comfort zone and, and okay, Lord, I'm going to try this. I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust you. And then something happens that we didn't expect. Well, we didn't expect it to go that way. Lord, I stepped out. It should have been all good. But, but this was, okay, this wasn't what I expected. This was hard. I was, I was, I was, you know, I was scared or I was nervous or I was embarrassed or whatever. I had these emotions come on me. I wasn't supposed to feel that. I was supposed to feel invigorated. I was supposed to feel empowered because I stepped out of my comfort zone and I trusted you. So what happens when that, that happens? I want you to turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 15. And understand, a slave mentality will always want to keep you enslaved when freedom is available. 
Did you get that? Get it, because I wrote it down. A slave mentality will want to keep you enslaved even when freedom is available. And I'll, I'll even change it, especially when freedom is available. Exodus chapter 15, let's start at verse 22. And, and let me give you some background here. Israel had been taken out of the land. Moses came, they did all the, you know, the, the, uh, the fight of getting them out of the land and, and they, they brought them across and they've seen all these miracles and everything happen and they were all happy and awesome, right? Okay, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. By the way, what it, what it means there in terms of bitter. You ever, you ever smell sulfuric water? You know, water that has a heavy sulfur to it. I mean, it smells kind of like rotten eggs. Okay, that's what this was. And the people grumbled, get this. Okay, you just saw all of these miracles. Okay, you saw the, the people who had enslaved you your entire life just get destroyed by God. Not by anybody else, by God. You saw this, you're stepping into this and you're thirsty. What did the people do? And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And Moses' response was, he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule and there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer, Jehovah Rapha. See, what did the Lord do there? He said, I, I hear your grumbling, and I get it, because you have a mentality of slavery. Where, where everything was always a certain way. He said, and I, I know I showed you my glory. I got you out of there. But now I'm going to show you my provision. And I'm going to test you in this. And he let him know, I'm going to test you in this. If you trust me, all the things that you saw me put on the Egyptians will not be put on you. Because I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. But trust me. It's time to get rid of that mentality of slavery that you've had your whole life. Verse, or chapter 16. Beginning at verse 1. They set out from Elam. And all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. Verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, 
Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We read that, and we it just it's like, what? Why? Why do you think that? You just saw these amazing miracles. And from our standpoint, it was just like five verses before he gave you water. <laughs> right? And so we think, man, the children of Israel, they're whacked. They were whacked. How could they see all this happen and then turn around and why'd you bring us out here? We were better off in Egypt. We were better off in slavery. Do you see? Do you see how that mentality of slavery that they had grown up with their entire lives was not broken? And every chance they get when the, the temptation was to be discouraged or the temptation was to be in fear or anything else, they didn't resist the temptation. They gave in to the slavery mentality. Because, see, when you're a slave, I, I don't know, I'm sure people here have, have worked with homeless. I, I've done, done a fair amount of work with homeless, and I remember, I, w- I was a younger man, and I was, I was on a business trip down in, in uh, Atlanta, and I was down there for, for a week, and, and all the people I was there with were people... What they went to do at night wasn't what I was going to go do at night. And so I walked up the concierge, and this is the Four Seasons downtown Atlanta, and, you know, real nice and everything else. And I said, I said, where are your homeless? <laughs> I said, we're downtown. Certainly you have homeless. Where are your homeless? And he looked at me strange, and it was like, what? And he, he pointed them out just a few blocks down. And, and so I went, he said, you may not want to go down there at night, and I I didn't think anything of that. I went down there and I made a friend that first night because I went for five nights. I made a friend that first night and I made him a deal. I said, I will buy your dinner every night if you just allow me to ask you questions and you answer my questions. And he did. And, and, and I'll never forget The impression that I got was that everything I could get my hands on, I've just got to grab. I've got to grab it because it may not be there later. I've got to take it. I've got to hoard it. I've got to hold on to it because this may be my only opportunity. But see, that's what we do with the Lord. When we don't give him faith in Covering what we need in the future, we grab what we can right now. And that's not just in sustenance. That's in what we think of as happiness. I mean, how often do young people go and marry or go and date and then have get pregnant with the wrong person? How often does that happen? Because they want to grab that happiness. Before it's ready. 
They want to grab that happiness, even though it may not be the right timing. But that slave mentality says, I see the opportunity, i got to get it now. Instead of backing up and saying, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want this relationship? Do you want me to have this? Do you want me to have that? Do you want me to build this this new relationship? What do you want, Lord? See, if the children of Israel, who had just before been made aware that they were being tested, it's like God saying, hey, here's a clue. I'm about to test you. And then he tests you. What we want to do is break that slavery mentality to realize that if he's got this now, he's got tomorrow, he's got next week, he's got next month, next year, ten years down the line, he's got my relationships. You know, and and I get it, man, this is a struggle for young people. I'll be honest with you, I'm preaching this to you, but I went through the same thing. I did not go to college to earn a degree. I went to college to find a wife. I know that's supposed to be a girl thing, right? Well, girls, me, and Peter. There you go. No, but in in reality, in reality, I just wanted my life to get moving. I wanted my life to get going. It's like I had this feeling that for some reason, my life is stopped because this hasn't happened, right? Because I'm not married yet, or I don't don't have don't have that relationship yet, or I don't have that job yet, or I, I'm not graduated college yet, or whatever whatever it is. It, it never stops. By the way, do you understand that that feeling permeates this church? That's what that's what was going on this morning. And the feeling is, God, I, I just need it to start. I just need it to start, God. I just need your, your spirit to fall so it starts. What makes us think it hasn't started already? Amen. See, it started the moment you got saved. And then the moment you realize that he wants to build relationship with you, that's when it started. And it will end the day you breathe your last breath. Or he comes to take his bride. Because that's the only time, and that gap of time is the only time that we could do anything by faith. Which is the currency of heaven. See, but it's the feelings that get us. See, we don't recognize them as sin. We don't. We just recognize them as us. Well, that's my feeling. That my feelings, me, me. I wouldn't turn me down. I'm me. That's who I am. So why would I fight a feeling? It's because as a slave, Satan wants you to realize or think that your feelings are you, but they're not. Your feelings are what He impresses on you. It's no different than a temptation. You could be tempted to be discouraged. You could be tempted to do any kind of sin. 
He wants to keep you in that slave mentality that nothing's going to happen. Who cares? I mean, really, brass tacks, who cares? Set aside the fact that God has promised all these things that He's going to do with ignition. Let's say for a second, set those aside and say that He never promised them. Who cares? Because it's in, and, and I'll just say it for me, it's in, it's in my capability to say yes to Him for me, to grow my relationship with Him, regardless of anything that goes on around me, any promises that go on around me. Why? Because I know He promised relationship and that I could, I could be, remember we read it in John chapter 8, that, that I could live in freedom because truth sets me free. So if I want to live in freedom, I can choose to do that myself with Him. I don't, I don't need to, to have the world be free to live in that. Neither do you. You just have to resist the temptation to tell, that's telling you it can't be done. Or be discouraged, you know, because this isn't going to happen and it hasn't happened yet. It's what he wants. But that is not God. That's the enemy. Let's go back to John chapter 1. Let's just, let's just read that again. John chapter 1 verse 12, But to all who did receive Him, to all who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as Savior, to all who believe in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. What an extraordinary opportunity. I mean, think about it. If you had the opportunity, let, let's just, just imagine with me for a, more, for a moment that you're an orphan. That you were born, didn't know your parents, your parents died or whatever. You were, you were born in an orphanage. And you had the opportunity to be adopted by the king of the most amazing country in the world. You had that opportunity to become their child. See, in reality, that's exactly what God has done for us. He said, I sent my son to give you an opportunity to become my child. You, you don't just become my child by signing a paper. Right? Those, those, those adoption papers. Once, once, once those are signed, that doesn't make him his child. It makes him his obligation. But to become his child, there's interaction. There's a relationship that becomes built. 
There's a desire on both parts to build that relationship. That's how we become a child of God. I want you to turn to John chapter 15. Jesus said very simply, and He lays it all out for us. And if if you didn't believe me before about when you get saved, you're still a slave. Hey, well, maybe He'll answer it for you here. John 15 verse 14 says this. You are my friends. What's that next word? Oh, if. Okay, you're my friends if. If you do what I command you. No longer do I call you what? Servants. Servants. Same word there as slaves, by the way. No longer do I call you my slave, who I have bought with a price. Paul said when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we become his bond slave. So he said, no longer are you my bond slave that I purchased that I bought with a price. He said, no longer are you my slave, but now I call you my friend. I call you my friend. Why? Because you've been obedient to me. He said, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, Jesus spells it out here. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you want to live your own life after salvation, you can. You're simply a bond slave indebted. He's not going to force you to build relationship with him. He's not going to force you to step out of your comfort zone for him. And, And by the way, I know we use that kind of as a cliche, but, but what that basically means is stepping out in a way different than who you are. Okay? Who we say we are. Well, I, I know who I am. You know, the, the world had this, this big kick on, you know, learn who you are. No, how about learn who you're supposed to be? Because who I was was a slave. Why would I want to learn of who I was? I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to have that mentality of slavery where, where I am, I am having to resist and having to fight discouragement or having to, to fight fear. Fight all these things. I don't, I don't want that. I want to know who I am in Him. Because who I am in Him is a different person. Who I am in Him is who He intended, get this, who I am in Him is who He intended before Adam ever fell. See, Adam screwed it up for us, but he didn't screw up the hope. I can still go after who I was intended to be before Adam was ever created. Because it says in Psalms, before the foundation of the world, God wrote this book about me and explained in the book who I am supposed to be. What He wants in, in that relationship with me. 
He put it all down before he ever made Adam. So Adam is not the reason for me not having my book. It's me. It's you. You're the only one that can stop God from fulfilling what he wrote in the book about you. You're the only one. I'm the only one. Not Adam, not anybody around me. Well, yeah, but Greg, you you don't know the situation I'm in. I mean, I I get hit from all sides. Do Do you not think he knows that? In fact, the grace that is poured out on you for that very fact is what is going to make that a different situation. See, he just wants us to trust him. And there's only one way. There's only one way you can buy your freedom. The only way you can buy your freedom from a slavery mentality is with the currency of faith. That's the only way. That's the only thing of value that we have to offer. We have our choice. We have our faith to say, you know what, God, all these things around me, they have a certain picture to them, but I'm, but you say something different. I am by faith going to trust you. I am by faith going to believe you. There's that currency. There's that payment. And then he just takes this huge bolt cutter and he cuts the chain. He says, okay, we're going to cut this link off. We're going to cut this set of chains off because you had the faith to trust me beyond it. He wants that for each of us. And each of us, we're, we're, we're heavy laden with things that enslave us. And you know, you know in your own life what that is. Holy Spirit's telling you right now what it is. You could be freed from that. You could be freed from that by offering that currency of faith. And just saying, whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want. That's how we build relationship with him. It says here, you're my friend if you obey me. Okay, what are, what's the biggest thing we're to obey? He said, love me. You know, love my Father, love the Holy Spirit with everything that you are. And I, and I love Luke's version of that. With everything, every strength, everything in your mind, everything who you, everything you could possibly think of, love Him. That means give Him everything. Give Him your, your fears. Give Him the things that you don't think are going the way they're supposed to go. Love him with everything. And then turn around and love each other the same way. That's what makes us his friend. That's the obedience that we give to become his friend. And, and it's, not a, it's not a one-time night and day thing. It's piece by piece by piece. 
You give him this peace that he highlights to you. You know, he, he might be highlighting right, right now in, in your life maybe a fear or maybe a discouragement or, or maybe something else. And he's probably been highlighting it for a long time. And, and if he's hiding it right now, he's, he's just saying, just give me this. Don't, don't worry about the other things. Just give me this. Live in faith and give me this. And in that, you'll see my glory. And then when we do that in faith, it builds upon for the next one. It's like building this wall. You're building this foundation of a wall. That's how you build a relationship with him. That's how you become his friend. That's how you become all of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, all these things that we're supposed to have in our life, if you don't have them in your life, then go back and re-listen to this, the podcast. If you don't have all of those in your life, it shouldn't be based on your circumstances. Well, of course I don't have that. You know, I've got my mortgage due. You know, or of course I don't have that. This is going wrong or that's going wrong. It's not what the Bible says. It says that that this is what he gives when we're in relationship with him. So if you don't have those things in your life, ask him why. What are you enslaved to that is stopping it? Just like the children of Israel. What, what stopped them from the very thing that he promised? The very thing. I mean, I mean, here, here, here's a, here's a tough thought. In reality, because the children of Israel were the way they were and belligerent how they were and, and they were so wrapped in the slavery of fear and everything else, it probably would have been better if he would have left them in Egypt. Because they just wandered for 40 years. But understand, it wouldn't have been better for their kids that said, wow, mom and dad really screwed up. You know what? I do believe you, God. I do believe you. And and I am going to move forward even if they didn't. I'm going to trust you. I wasn't born in that mentality of slavery. So I'm going to step forward. And then the next thing you see is the land conquered through Joshua. See, don't be the person that chooses slavery over freedom. Because there's no joy. There's no peace. There's no hope. There's no love. Except in his freedom. Let's bow your heads. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you for this morning, God. And, and I pray, Lord, that you work in each heart this morning. And I'm, I'm going to do something that I don't know if I've ever done. But if the Holy Spirit has been working on you and he has highlighted an area of your life that you are enslaved to. I want you to stand. Don't be afraid. This is this is you and God. This is not anybody around you.
but I want you to stand. And I want you to recognize there is freedom available to you. Father, in boldness, each of these have stood. And it's just between you and them. But God, I pray right now, you're, you're giving me a picture of a fork in the road. You're giving me a picture of what you gave the children of Israel when you said, here, I'm going to provide, but this will be a test. Father, I pray your presence to be so heavy and so thick on each person that is giving this to you. Whatever it is, you, you, you and them are the only ones that know. But God, I, I pray that right now, this become a defining moment in their life. A moment where they recognize that real freedom is a choice. And real freedom bears a cost. There's no cost to living in slavery because our life is the cost. But there is a cost to gaining freedom. And that cost is faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for revealing your truth. And I pray for each person standing... That there is breakthrough in the very matter of slavery that you have laid on their heart. I bind fear. I bind discouragement in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. And I ask, Father, that you do your work. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Alexa is talking in absolutely. I'll have you pray. Not that anybody would is doing this, but don't underestimate the the significance of of why the Holy Spirit gave this particular message at this particular time you would think that it might have been a long time ago. And there have been many messages maybe along this, this vein that through the last few years, God has, has um, led either of us to preach on. But um, it's interesting, you know, when God doesn't tell him until right before, you know, with the culmination of everything he studies throughout the week, when God doesn't zero in on a, on a, a specific message until last minute, he surely, that means that I don't know. And it's just so interesting to me that, um, that that same kind of thought has been on my mind as well, but not quite in the same way. We talked about it a little bit in the ladies' class this morning, but I, I, I want to encourage you. First of all, don't get hung up on, on what he means with the, child, the children of God part, because 
Yes, when you read other scriptures about the fact that you get adopted, you're immediately adopted. You're a child of God when you enter into the, his kingdom. And yes, in that sense, you're a child of God. He's talking more about the child of God function. Um, if I adopt somebody, you know, um, like what I know Peter and Lindsay will be adopting, that there will be, um, you know, they don't have an actual relationship with them yet. But, but yes, when it's signed on the dotted line, that becomes official. But the function of it and the thought of the parent-child relationship is non-existent until they begin to walk in that family. So that's really what he's talking about there. Um, but the other two things that, that I, I just heard the Lord say that's an issue, and, and really it will be a continual issue with us, which is why I think that even in the blessing that he's about to release and even in the things that are around the corner for us, that we'll always have to fight in our flesh and in this country is two words that just were so strong in my spirit, and that was the two words, instant gratification. Those just seem to be the biggest areas of struggle. And again, that looks different for everyone. Um, instant gratification of, you know, of even just deciding to sulk. It can feel better. That's why they call it a party, a pity party. You know, when you are down, it can feel good to just kind of, feel bad for a while. It's a weird thing to kind of feed your flesh in that way. And there were just so many things I thought of, but I want to tell you, um, just, just as a, a, a thought from me, the stomach pain that I've been dealing with for the last uh, couple years and more that the Lord brought into my life has both been, um, the biggest, one of the biggest miseries of my life. It, it created some of the most, uh, embarrassing things. I never ever thought I would be in an ambulance, writhing in pain, going to the ER, only to find out it was a big old gas bubble. I mean, that just, it doesn't get any lower than that. Um, and it's just, um, it's been interesting that it's been one of the greatest things though that God's ever done in what He has taught me. And a lot of it is because um, he, he's shown me the parallel of the physical. Yes, I've always been, you know, you guys know I have 30 years now, uh, been, you know, training in fitness in some form. And I, I've, that's, that's been a part of my life. But I never really looked at the actual stewarding of my health until I started having these stomach issues. And the sad thing about what this has taught me, which kind of mirrors the Christian life, is most people, okay, in the human realm, most people will not even look at the stewardship of their health until some doctor somewhere or, you know, either something stops functioning normally, okay, and, and that's a wake-up call because you have to deal with it, or a doctor tells you a diagnosis that scares you half to death. That's usually when, we're, when we'll even consider making a change, when we'll even consider giving something up. And... Um, you know, and heaven forbid the, you know, the swear word that, should I whisper it? That starts with an E? Exercise. You know, like, we would never, I mean, that, that's hard to, to uh, you know, it's like, oh, you didn't say that. You know, most of us, it takes that to wake us up. And so in that sense, it's been really positive. But that that's the same in the spiritual, you know. I want to encourage you, you know, I, I tell my girls, you know, Brooke started it a lot earlier and even her journey of stomach pain has been, has saddened me because I know that I had to break things off of myself in the courts to really free my daughters. But yet her journey, I know she would say is very positive and God's taught me things through her journey. 
Um, and Yvonne is, is learning, you know, at an early age because she also has had the stomach issue. And a lot of people have had the stomach issues. But, but I don't want to be any more that way, either with my body or my spiritual life. I don't want to get to where God has to give me such a strong wake-up call to recognize <coughs> that I am not um, giving him everything. You know, that's what we talked about this morning is in Psalm 16, 8, about setting the Lord always before you. You know, when the Lord is set, he's set in your life. We've really been focusing on that word set. He will daily bring us out of that slavery. He will daily keep us walking in his spirit with his mind and not our own. And, um, but, but if we're not willing to do that, then out of his love, he will cause, he will allow the consequences of our choices. Um, and I'm not saying that my stomach pain is a direct consequence. I, I think in some ways it really is, if I'm really honest. There were just things I was not willing to see about maybe radical dieting or this or that. Some stomach pain comes, comes just straight out from the pit of hell as a, you know, as a force against people. And, and that's, you know, but we know ultimately all sickness is, is from the enemy. But, but God has used this to be something that has really opened my eyes to, to just seek him every single day and include him in something that he was just not allowed in. First of all, because I was never told in the church to, to allow him into that. You know, do we, and I was thinking so much when Greg was preaching this morning, you know, the reason people are slaves in particular areas in their body in any way, any habit, any emotion is because we never invited God in to that particular area and let him really take that over. There are parts of us that just get locked down. And most people, and the reason I joke about that being a, a swear word is because most people, and especially young people, takes them years don't be like this either spiritually or physically, young people today. Um, that that you have you you don't steward what you ha- the health that you have because you can lose it if over time you abuse it. And it's the same with our walk with the Lord. Don't abu- we don't want to abuse our walk with the Lord? Take Him for granted because out of His love, He will allow He will allow something to come into our lives to bring us that wake up call, mm-hmm. and and then the road is much harder. You know, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord. Okay. If, if you humble yourself, rest assured, it's way easier than when God has to humble you because you won't. And that is, um, that's really what, um, I just thought in, in kind of a, a different way to look at the slavery that the Lord was showing me. Um, because again, you know, if we just invite him in, we don't, all of a sudden those areas of slavery just become freedom and they might just be one little room. You know, we have all these closed doors and various issues in our lives. It just becomes one open door and, a, and another open door and another closed off part of our heart, you know, um, whatever it is, you know, and, and I pray also that, um, that you'll ask the Lord. That is the, by the way, that is the essence of the courts. The courts is study Psalm 139, 23 and 24, the search me, O God verses. That is what the courts are about. The courts isn't about, you know, and Greg explains this every time, and we're going to be, uh, we're talking about having classes or having a, um, uh, what do you call it, like an orientation for people interested in what, are, what is going to the courts even mean. But it's essentially those verses. But it's always something that will reveal to you unknown sin. And so if you're really ready to give God your yes, don't you want to know from him 
areas that need to be given. Now, this is a matter of breaking authorities, but oftentimes it still has to be an ongoing. It has to be an everyday. Lord, what today? Have I opened a door that maybe has never been opened before? Maybe, you know, Satan's working a new angle on us every day. And what I maybe don't have an issue yesterday, he might introduce something new. So every day I have to lay it down before him. But as we ask him to search us, that's what will allow us to see, okay, search me. Tell me if if there's something I haven't invited him in. Because this, I know all of you, I don't know about everybody online, but everybody that I'm speaking to today, I know your heart is is in a yes place. It's just that God wants to go deeper. He wants every place unenslaved because what he's about to pour out and I will I quoted it this morning but I am going to just quote what Bill Johnson said in that message that I had heard that was so great that I think Brooke had sent out and that is that the weight of his glory and his blessing resting on an unsanctified life will crush it will destroy it but the weight of his glory and his blessing and his goodness on a sanctified life will establish it. And that's what we want. Don't you want to be established in who God is? Because when the weight of his glory is released, I want to be able to sustain it. I want to be able to walk in that measure and that weight and that hosting, as I often quote what Jeff had preached on, that hosting of his presence for for an indefinite amount of time. I don't want it to just be some high I was on in my Christian life in back in the day. And then now where am I? You know, well, those were the good old days when I was filled and with the spirit and walking. Have you ever heard somebody tell that story? That shouldn't be. There should be never, ever a departure from that place in our Christian walk. And so, but we have to be ready for that. Because if we, if we receive all that and there's a measure of our life that is unsanctified because of our no or our being closed off or not including him, then that blessing will be the very thing that will crush us. We see it all the time. Some of you have just been blessed with a job. If you trusted God and he blessed you with a job, trust that job to not take you away from God. That's where it stops. See, those are little roads. It's like, thank you, God. But that was the other example, and I'm going to end with that. That was the other example when when Greg was, was talking. I thought, you know, we get the blessing, we trust God for the blessing, but then we don't trust him. It's like that, it's like that homeless guy that he talked to. I gotta get what I can get, I gotta get it all. Okay, God, thank you, thank you, God, for this job. But now, now when my boss starts making demands on me that are pulling me away from my walk with the Lord, well, I, I can't, I can't say no to him. I mean, I gotta keep this job, I gotta do what I can to keep this job. Hoard, 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 hoard. You trusted God to get the job, but now the job is in itself a test. And you're not passing the test by trusting him within the job. The blessing is crushing you. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's what we need. That's what God wants from us. And I really believe that's what God wants from this message, this word this morning from Greg and from the Holy Spirit through Greg's mouth. (laughs) Okay. Um, Don't forget the prayer call. Don't forget the prayer call every night, seven nights a week. Doesn't mean you have to be on it seven nights a week. Um, but make it be a normal, let it be the exception, the exception, the oops, the Lord help me to set my alarm and remember, or the, this is a rare deal to be off of it because it will draw you into 
the presence of God, like you, I, most of the calls, I'm weeping through it. The people, you guys, when you pray, and by the way, some of you have, that have avoided getting on at the beginning because you think you won't be asked, I want to encourage Wendy, Greg, and, and Corey, don't necessarily assign all four and five people at the very beginning. Wait till some people come on. Assign two and then wait and then assign the rest. Let's not be hiding from that. When when you're asked to pray, because I know sometimes you're like, oh, seriously, I'm on it, Lord, but don't ask me to say anything. You will not know the blessing you receive from your own lips declaring. I have, that God has taken prayers sometimes that maybe were a fight to come out of my mouth and he's used them to bless me back. And oh, your prayers just bless me. The Holy Spirit is just, man, and the rest of us should be praying for God's presence to flood those calls. Just like how this morning, and I didn't come up and say it because Greg was saying it all, but in worship, when you're, this, yes, your worship time is just for you, but you ought to be inviting the presence of God to invade the entire space. Yes. When I'm struggling in my worship, I am so thankful. I am so thankful if Lucy is, is interceding not knowing that maybe I'm struggling, but maybe interceding that the presence of God come and that Ruth is saying, Lord, just flood this place. That helps me in my worship. We need to be worshiping for ourselves, but on behalf and standing in the gap for others who are coming, who are just encumbered with junk on them. It's, that's how we work together. So it's, it's, it's the same thing on that prayer call. Just because you're not speaking, you know, don't listen and do homework, read a book. Do, yes, there are times when you can be on the call and things aren't quite finished. And, you know, my dog sometimes has to be let out and I'm, you know, swinging a flashlight at the bats, listening to the call, you know, outside. <laughs> that that'll happen sometimes. I'm like, Lord, don't let them land and get caught in my hairspray. But um, anyway, that's, did I just say that out loud? Anyway, uh, but, but it's the same thing. Pray yourself on the prayer call. When you're worshiping, pray for others. Invite the presence of God. And it's a powerful experience. Don't think of it as a drudgery. That's a mind thing. You know, that's a temptation to be discouraged, just like Greg talked about this morning. Yeah, just to determined set your heart to just be determined to do with god's will and and watch what he does it's it's awesome so that's all i wanted to say oh and brooke had an announcement when you're totally done okay i i don't know why she's still afraid of bats because i took her to nigeria to see what a real bat looked like you know the size of an eagle <laughs> no i'm kidding um yeah it, uh, I, I'll have one announcement, then I'll have you give an announcement, and I'm going to have you close. Um, just, yeah, go ahead, put, put up the next picture. I just wanted to show you guys this. I know my dad put it on God Squad, but um, this was this month. Um, we've been giving uh, each month to, um, uh, to the group of 15 pastors up, up near the Kaduku area uh, that we, we work with, we've worked with for years that are in this refugee camp. Um, but each month they send me a picture back, and this is the one that, uh, uh, that he had sent. They, he just took it to them yesterday, and um, uh, it might have been the day before, I can't remember. But, but I wanted to put, up, put this up just because they are so thankful <coughs> for everything that we do for them. And I wanted to keep it in front of you because we've got we've got about enough through October to be to be doing this for them. Um, it 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 is about twelve hundred dollars a month is is what. So it's not. I mean, for for a church our size, this is not a small amount. 
Um, I told them at the beginning that I was trying to raise enough money to get them food for six months. And that's what I committed to, and, and October is the sixth month. Um, but I would love to, in some measure, be able to keep keep doing some of it. Um, uh, they're still in the, the refugee camp, and in fact, when we go there, um, we're going to be able to see them. I don't know if we'll go up there to see them, or if they're going to try and meet us somewhere. Um, but we'll get to talk to many of them. Yeah. I just want to add, Andrew had said, he may have said it to others too, but he messaged me and said, you know, thank you so much that God is using you to bring relief mm-hmm. to the, the pain that they've been experiencing. And so when you look at those bags of rice, don't forget that represents their sustenance and meals for whatever period of time for their family. It's so yeah. much more significant than, than it would look to us with our American mentality, but it's huge. Yeah, th- this is their staple yeah. part of their meal for a month. Um, that's why we give it to them monthly. Um, each, each of those bags represents... Uh, um, you know, a family that, that we are, are helping there. And, and then, uh, I do know the, the one pastor that I'll be seeing is the one who his wife died, um, when she had the twins. The twins did live. Um, but, uh, him, he is one we will continue, uh, uh, helping. And he, he's actually the one that is head over the, 15 pastors, he's the one we work directly with. Because I know, I know at that place in Kaduku, I know we're, that, I don't know if that'll be our first church plant outside of McCurdy, but it's going to be pretty quick. Um, because I, I know that there's already, uh, I mean, there are just so many people begging us to be there. Um, but I want to keep that in front of you. If you do want to give, um, uh, you can you can continue to give if you go on the website. There's the thing on the website that'll take you right to giving that. Hmm? Forty. Oh yeah, it's forty two dollars for a single bag. Is forty two dollars for that um, American? But you can you can go to our website and it'll it'll take you right to it. You'll see a thing pop up um, and give that way. Or if you want to give a check and put it over there, just write in the memo field for Nigeria, and we'll we'll know what that's for. And um, uh, so I just want to keep that in front of you. All right. And so Brooke, come on up and then Deborah, you'll close us after that.